0: yeah everyone i know is a weirdo and i'm a weirdo okay, so then and perfect. yeah um i mean i could even start the episode by just saying in this house we love weirdos and freaks and degenerates one of my friends today like texted me something um like it was like a Weird song lyric, and she's like, I need you to know that this is not me being deranged, it's me quoting a song, and I was like, and then she was like, Wait a second, you're not gonna judge me, and I was like, Yeah, I'm like, I don't understand why it's so deep. Well, anyway, um I love
1: that AIM vibe though.
0: <laughs> we we love freaks, we're freak for freak on the clown hospital podcast which we are on right now. Um, The mental health podcast that is not afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem. Uh, My name is Sadie, um, your host um, for these, this is, I think, 19. Or is it 20? I don't remember, but uh, I think it's 20. That's crazy. And to talk to me talk with me with about ableism in social work Oof, just even saying it as a phrase stresses me out um is my friend maria hello
1: hi so i like introduce myself ish
0: yeah yeah uh okay. the, the question i usually ask is like what do people know, need to know about you and your background um to make like your perspective make sense like what is the context that you want people to know before we get into the the me
1: yeah yeah okay so i'm a neurodiverse art therapist i come from a recently otherwise known as
0: an art therapist probably
1: you'd be surprised actually um that might be another
0: thing we can talk about
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no, definitely super interesting actually. Um, because I, I'll just throw this out there. Like you're saying that you're like, well, that's like what they are. Right. And like, yeah, I think art therapists are like inherently a little weird and you have Mm -hmm. like that weird therapist wiggle room where you can be a little bit more of an ass than other people. Like you can jump around a little bit more, but like when I was in school, i did i still didn't like fit in the way that like you know other neurodiverse people just don't fit into certain things and like it was even there um so i'm still like Mm. trying to find like where i belong and that's where you know this whole ableism in our field kind of came up right so i have spent a couple years like four years in community mental health um and if anybody listening to this knows um, anything about community mental health you know that it is its very own special thing where we are very often beholden to the needs and desires of insurance companies what looks good on paper mm. versus you know what's actually best practice you know how do how do we make this look and sound good without paying people more you know it's and it's that thing yeah. um and I think in a lot I mean and I like I liked community mental health for sure but I do think a lot of it really was um you know we need to have clients coming in and out and
0: that's
1: yeah. the thing right you kind of churn them and they and as a provider and that's kind of why i was excited to come on to your show let me know if i'm talking too much um you're good.
0: okay uh, that's kind of talk. why i wanted to
1: come on because i see a lot of criticisms toward therapists mental health how people treated it and like obviously because the field was originally like i don't know therapy used to be like an old white dude sitting in a chair mm-hmm. talking at you and telling you how you know how you feel is related to wanting your to fuck mom
0: yeah
1: right exactly and like yeah no a hundred percent like that whole that's what it was um or you could do drugs about it and feel better right like that was what mental health was um and like Mental hospitals weren't hospitals. They were, oh, you know, no. bedlam. It was you laid in a little bed with a cage over it and then you stayed there because you're an invalid because you heard voices, you uh you're a woman and you have too much of an opinion and you didn't want the doctor in the office to masturbate you or whatever, right? Like you that might have been too much. Um but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's graphic, it, when, but
0: it's accurate. Yeah.
1: But that's what it was, right? Like, it wasn't like mentally ill, opinionated. Thought about communism too long, right? Uh, (laughs) I
0: I definitely have that mental illness.
1: Right, like, well, yeah, so we got to find a cage. But I feel like that's what it was. And, you know, we say like, you know, you have to take multicultural classes in school now. And Mm -hmm. we have to do this. We have to do that. Evidence. Um, Things that are
0: like evidence-based and client-first and all that. Right. And like, what I, the thing that stands out to me, uh, compared to like, you know, past and present is, you know, what you're describing. In the past isn't treatment. It's like dispose. It's like disposing of people. It's right. Like, it's literally just sweeping people under the rug because they make you uncomfortable or like unsafe or whatever. So we're just gonna put them in a little box. Uh, with some padded walls and like that's it and it's like no like it turns out i'm still a person with feelings and like you know a lot of these things are treatable to some extent you know not you know most of these things you're not gonna cure, but like you're gonna you can make them manageable to live with especially with like support um
1: right yeah and i think you know we've come further than bedlam, you know, further than byberry you know, let's pull the philly in here. But like have we come that much further, you know? And I think that's that's kind of what we're talking about a little bit. Um how much further yeah. have we come? I mean, we one of the hospitals, I'll be really careful not to say names, but one mm-hmm. of the hospitals I used to work at, they had just stopped the four point restraints where you're laid in a bed. You know, they had just stopped using their papoose board. And, you know, I having spent several years in that situation and doing crisis de-escalation, like sometimes you have to go hands on and I get it and I've done it yeah. and I've done it in heels. But there's something about, you know, and I tell the kids all the time, like, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to have to restrain you. Please no. don't make me do that. Please no. don't paint on the wall with your blood. We can just do really thick paint you know we can do this we can make this happen but i don't i don't i don't want to do it so you know i and i so like when i've been hearing about like different criticisms within our field i'm like absolutely please criticize us more yes Um, because that's what that's where growth comes from right exactly and i I, that's kind of why i wanted to like come on and i know i'm like kind of dragging it out a little bit but i'm trying to like also get the words um Yeah, you know, we talk about ableism in mental health in that you know, like with autism. You know, people think like, "Oh, person with autism." Like, okay, well, autism is not a pet. It's <laughs> organicity of the. It's just how the brain works. Same yeah. thing with ADHD. Um, and you know, we I've been in treatment teams and you know, case discussions where someone goes, "Oh, this kid's like a problem," and I'm like, "Is the client a problem? Or are you just like not changing?" Right. Like I had been in meetings where I had a staff complain about a client and then, you know, she ended up saying like, I have, I have done everything the same since I started. I do not treat these kids differently. And I'm like, wait, why the fuck are you doing that? You should absolutely be changing.
0: Yes. You should be treating them differently. If You should be
1: consistent with, um, uh, you know, across different kids. like, Like you can't tell me day one you is, you know, the same.
0: Yeah, well, also, like, it's, it's like that's it's an it's an equality versus equity thing. Like, you know, you're not gonna like if like you're not gonna necessarily need to like treat every like not every kid has the same needs. So like, you're gonna treat every kid like you know you're gonna pay attention like you're gonna treat every person the same by paying attention to their needs but how you actually do that is going to be different for every single person like i like on the very first episode of the show we we're talking about um, you know the the character the behaviors that people associate with autism are really the behaviors that a per, like that the, that people are like experiencing or doing while or after being mistreated
1: yeah, they're in distress, like, and yes. I think autism and ADHD, they're both characterized by like, how do we know you're diagnosed with this? Or, you know, like, okay, I've got this diagnosis. I have, AD, I have ADHD. How, how do we know you have this diagnosis? Oh, well, you know, it's because this is how you annoy us, you know, and with autism, it's hmm. the same, it's the same thing, right? Like a happy autistic person isn't melting down. So I think it's interesting that it's character, so many other disorders, like anxiety. Also, I also have anxiety, um, although I'm not crying mm-hmm. yet. This is good. Um, you know, anxiety is characterized by how you're distressed on the innards, right? Or how you overthink things, or you catastrophize, or you throw up every time you do something new, right? And depression is kind of the same way, where you're, it's how you feel. Mm-hmm. Anger how you feel and then maybe you share it with other people or you take it out on yourself right but with neurodiversity we get really ableist because it's not about i mean even psychosis you're hearing voices are do you feel like they're mean no then you know what i mean you don't have to psycho even psychosis you like leave it unless it's dangerous So like, Mm -hmm. I don't, and I think this is where we're really ableist, you know, with everyone in our, our pet autism or, you know, ADHD. Um, and I'll, I'll get a little personal with this too. Um, it is, it's characterized by can't wait their turn. Can't do that. Gets mad when people do noise, throws themselves on the ground. Like, well, this is how you're distressed by me. Yeah. Um, and I, I said this a little bit in our, in our previous conversation, um, but the environments that we are meant to function in, work, school, whatever other social functions even, I feel like the norms are in the environment. They're all created and dictated by neurotypical people. Um, and, you know, we know how stressful it is to try to fit into a space, you know, having the privilege to unmask with other robots or whatever. But I mean, like being in a space it's stressful i talked to you a little bit before we went live about adjust be adjusting to a new space to see if i fit yeah. into it and it, it really is though it it's like i'm really hard I'm, you know i was telling you like i was really hard on myself i'm already doing that and then you know you have a kid in school doing the same thing where they're like trying to fit in trying not to be annoying because they already know that they're annoying they're trying to do this they're trying to do that their brain feels weird because they're on a stimulant at eight years old right and you have all this going on and then you know you hear the criticism on the outside you know you're i had a client's parents tell them that the kid was a slug jesus like, christ oh, too-
0: and then like that's 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 the thing specifically is like you said like not only from the outside but like from their parents like from the from like and like and i'm sure this happens with like care providers as well, like. Not just, like, criticism from the outside. Criticism from, like, your caregivers. Like, the people who, like, are, like, in charge of, like, your safety and, like, your, like, yeah. growth and development as a person. Like, they they hit a wall with you and all of a sudden you're a fucking slug or, like, you're difficult or right, you're, or you're like, problem. violent and or whatever. But no. it's like, no, if you just meet my needs, like, and I and you're just not like upsetting me constantly, then like we won't have a problem, really. Um, because oh. ADHD
1: is really categorized by the feeling, you know, timeliness, weird organization stuff, being overstimulated, the dead zone, which is that you're sitting there and you're like, I have to get up and do the thing, I have to get up and do the thing, but I've got five more minutes before I have to leave, and then it's been five minutes, and you're putting pants on and you're leaving and you hate yourself. And those are like the really fun things about ADHD that don't come up because you can't wait your turn or you want, you send someone a meme immediately and they're like, I'm, you got to wait a minute, you know, like, it's not just impulsivity. It's loathing yourself when you don't fit into an environment that wasn't created for you. And I've, I've heard people like trying to like diagnose PTSD, uh, not PTSD, Uh, people are trying to like dismiss adhd as just a trauma response and i said this to you before but like adhd and trauma go hand in hand because Mm -hmm. it's traumatizing to try to fit into a space that's not meant for you
0: um and i know
1: like
0: like i like to say that like as far as i'm concerned like the venn diagram of like autism and like cptsd is probably like a fucking circle because like for the same exact reason is like you're just, like, it is traumatic to try to fit in this, like, world that, like, is, like, actively like, not giving a shit about, yeah yeah.
1: Exactly. And, like, when we talk about, like, I did my, I did my master's thesis on, um, like, like, a specific piece of artwork, and I scored it using a scale, and it, like, showed up, it scored for ADHD, but it also had some weird shit, like, perseveration spacing out and like you know this that you know like dissociation and the adhd space out looks really fucking similar are you traumatized do you have adhd is it both it's probably both like and it just blows my it blows my mind um and i mean even hyperfixation looks really similar um but anyway so like I don't know, I kind of lost where I was going with that. Oh, just the environment, I guess. Um, and we talk about, you know, you mentioned this earlier, like being um, being like client-centered, being uh, culturally affirming, yeah. making sure that when you write queer, you're using all the right letters. And for some reason, we everybody puts intersex in, even though intersex people aren't inherently queer unless they identify as queer. Mm-hmm. That's for another thing. But you know, we're trying to be I feel like we're overcorrecting, but we're not like actually doing the thing and in community mental health, that's like what you do, right? Like you're like, "Well, we have a kid that's acting up. Let's do a behavioral contract because that's what we do. Let's do ABA because even though everybody says it's traumatizing, it looks good for insurance because they don't care. They want to just see good results and yeah. at what cost?" Um, you know, and that's like how we accommodate those quote unquote problem clients. We just do you know what looks good, what sounds good.
0: Yeah, um, that's not actually what it, that's the combinations for the fucking insurance. It's like not like for the insurance company, not for your fucking clients. Um and fuck, what was I gonna say? It was something I've been like, you know, like you were talking earlier about like, just kind of churning clients in and out because like there is like a sh- like insurance demands and
1: right like they don't want to pay for someone after three days inpatient are you kidding me what can I do in three days
0: adjust their meds like one time and that's it and like right that's just like here's, the doctor,
1: here's a fidget spinner just kidding you would choke on it buy one when you leave like and some of the places like my at least where I was, when I worked inpatient, like we could set up after we had to set up aftercare. Like I had kids come in from yeah. different hospitals that were like, yeah, they didn't do anything. I just like went home and tried to kill myself again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we I think we're so focused on what looks good, what sounds good, let what's you know, what's white, what's woke, let's, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I don't think we actually address the people as people. So, you know, when we're talking about ableism specifically in, I'm going to just do community mental health because it's been a little more more recent for me. Yes. But like with neurodiversity focused accommodations, just because that's like personally where I'm at. You know, if I was struggling, I struggle with time blindness. I asked for like, a just like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm diagnosed with. ADHD is covered under the ADA. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is a disability it's not and like there's i'm not saying like i'm gonna mention like depression and anxiety just as other things because they're not they're not organic the same way that adhd and autism are um and i'd even i'd even kind of push ptsd into the organic portion because you're it really does change you know neuroplasticity whatever how the brain is is affected and like yes with anxiety and depression as well but those are also two things that you can work on and you can see an improvement in. Um, and with ADHD, I think to some degree you can, and, and autism as well. But with both of those, it's really about the caregivers changing their expectations. Yeah. Rather than like when I have someone who's depressed or someone who's got conduct issues, um, you know, we're, I do a lot of CBT, so it's like, okay, this is how we're thinking about it. But like our reward for thinking about it this way is that we don't want to live anymore. So like, we should probably change that. um, You know, or like, you know, when someone gets in your face, you know, the proximity is a trigger, but it's also, you feel like your space isn't being respected. So yeah. So, but anyway, but, you know, you can change the way you think about things with that. With autism, like you can try to like be a little more wiggly or more flexible, but like. You're going to think about things a certain way. And that is how the brain works. And kind of the same thing with ADHD. Like I can practice waiting my turn. You know, I can wait a couple minutes to send a meme. I can let the thoughts that I have just disappear and then I will never share them. You know, I can sit with the anxiety that comes from that. But I'm always going to have, you know, you have to build in little things. I, you know, I have, I have a doom box in every room. It's my junk drawer for people that are boomers you know they're junk drawers that's where your shit goes that you don't know where it goes um and if i lose something that's where it is you know and that's just that's how the brain works and i was really struggling in when i switched to a lower acuity in community mental health because when i was in an inpatient setting it was just go 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 And I always had something to do. And there was always something that had to be done. And I had a supervisor that was a little flexible on when. So in my other setting, though, and like, I liked that setting a lot. You know, don't please don't sue me if you know that I'm talking about you. Um, (laughs) I agree.
0: (laughs) Anything I would say.
1: Right. But I mean, like in a community mental health setting, there are ways that they have to do the thing. And there's ways that the beast is tamed and placated and whatever. Yes. But I had like since the acuity was lower there was a little downtime but the structure was different and I had a lot more paperwork to do and I had a lot more like shit to do so it wasn't just do therapy do crisis management do groups call families whatever right it was like also like do call these other people make these calls happen do these types of insurance reviews also do this other thing and then you know manage uh staff a certain way right um do this other thing also do more crisis intervention and it was like a really varied day but there'd be like inevitably there would be a thing that i missed and i noticed you know like all right i've got like a weird brain so i'm already working against it and i already know like i can't do things perfectly sometimes um I feel like that's the biggest thing for ADHD is I will never, like if I'm coloring something in, it is never perfect. And that's just, that's just my brain. Um, but anyway, so I had noticed like once my caseload hit, let's say it's, um, let's just say it's 10. Cause it was 10. Um, okay. it got really difficult. Like I was great at eight, everything got done. Everything was done on time and kids got quality hour long sessions, which is a big deal for this type of setting um you know in inpatient it was 15 minutes to 45 and all of that counted nothing yeah so yeah no you could you could go inpatient and have three 15 minute sessions and leave and that would be fine because it was three a week but so in this other setting it was it was a little different and i was i like reached out to i like did some research looked in all like the neurodiverse groups on facebook and i was like hey how do people get accommodations because like i feel like i need them and i stood up for my clients and it was really fucking cool and i can tell a parent like hey you want this from your kid, and you're not showing them that, and how are they going to regulate if you can't do it? Like, I can call parents out, I can call other adults out, whatever, but when it comes to myself, it's really fucking hard, because I, I didn't, I I
0: didn't relate.
1: become a therapist to talk about myself, I became a therapist so that uh, you would talk to me, and we would, we would do your shit.
0: Yeah, I'm here to not talk about myself. Like, right.
1: That's the whole fucking point of being a there. No, obviously not. I'm. Please don't report <laughs> me to the board. I obviously, you know, do things. Everything I do is solely to benefit the client in the session. Yeah. Um, But I'm like, okay, so like, I, I feel like I need some accommodations here. So I reached out to HR and I was like, hey, 10 is a lot for me. And that was like, I was told like that was the max. And I saw in a lot of the other people getting accommodations that, okay, we would do... Like people do like 90% max caseload. So for me, like if someone had like 20 clients, you'd ask for like 18 or something mm-hmm. like that or 16 or whatever the math is. Um yeah. it's not statistics, so I can't do it. So I was like, all right, so I have 10 and like it doesn't sound like a lot, but when they need so much contact throughout the week because yes.
0: it's still like acute. And then you have to document lot. and then you have to document so much of that content. Oh, yeah. And as then, well.
1: Right. And like uh, community health, CHR doesn't work. It always breaks when you need to use it. And it's a mess. And we're not, you know, you're salaried, but like you don't get paid to do all the extra shit you have to do to get the work done. But um, anyway, so like I asked, I said, okay, so I need some accommodations. I'm already embarrassed because I should be able to just do shit because... That's what you—that's what you're taught when you're ADHD. You're like you should just be able to do everything. You're gifted because that's the marker for that. And you know, I didn't know how to study until I was in grad school. So asking for help fucking sucks.
0: I have yet to learn.
1: Um, asking for help sucks. I don't. I yes. don't. It sucks. Um, so it I emailed HR. I already felt bad because I was raised to be independent. Um, yeah. and this felt like I wasn't doing that, but also like it is a disability. And you don't notice it until you feel a little disabled. Like, why was I not able to do all the stuff that my coworkers are doing? I'm a really good therapist. My supervisor told me all the time, you're a great therapist, but thing X, Y, and Z are what you're struggling with. And I'm like, that's interesting because thing X, Y, and Z- are almost completely because of my time blindness and my you know Yeah, it's
0: like you literally like your complaints about me are literally just a list of my symptoms (laughs) like Like it's just
1: my robot brain and i was like i wasn't medicated and i went back on when i started this job
0: mm -hmm.
1: like that was something and that fucking sucked too like i was on it for like 15 years took a break in college and then now My doctor was like, do you need it? Do you have proof? And I was like, yeah, here's my pediatrician. Um, (laughs) They're afraid of stimulants, but like they gave me Tylenol with codeine in it when I was in college because I had a bad cough. But that's for another day. So anyway, I emailed about these accommodations and I was like, hey, I can't do 10 kids at a time. It's really hard. I know that I, I didn't apologize. My dad always says, don't apologize. Just, you know, explain what you need so you know i i reached out and i was like hey i can't manage after this thing there's so much to keep track of i have charts i have checklists but once i'm over eight it's really hard and like i'm in a shared office space too so like everybody's on the phone at the same time everything's going on i have noise canceling headphones but it's hard when i'm trying to make a phone call you know yeah or like the therapy space i was in people would walk through it people would do things so like You know, it 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 was just like really difficult, um, and that was just me as like a robot. I don't know what it was like for other other people. Seemed annoyed too. Yeah. You know, but how? So I was worried. You know, I was in a shared office where I could hear everybody, and it was hard to get things done on time. When it's not even distracting, it's just like irritating. I can't type and talk. I can't type while someone's on the phone talking to an insurance company. And I hate saying like disorder and disabled for those things because i don't know it doesn't it's not a superpower to me but it's also not (laughs) a bad it's just how my brain works yeah um but i think until we as a society are more accepting of neurodiversity and actually make space for it in our classrooms and workplaces um adhd and autism will be disorders because you know it's diagnosed based on the symptoms which are maladaptations to things structured by neurotypical people. So I asked for eight instead of 10, which felt really fucking reasonable. And then I got a phone and I asked her a couple other things too. Just like, Hey, can I, is there just a quiet space for me to do notes? Can I have just two less clients? And, you know, and you know, this in community mental health, the more kids you have or clients you have, the less amount of time they get for therapy. You know, if I have 10 kids inpatient they get 15 minute sessions and you know if i have eight they do get an hour an hour and a half they get more than the minimum you know so it it's frustrating but so i had asked for yeah. slightly less clients to make the quality of my work remain high quality i had asked for a slightly like not as loud space and it wasn't even like for all the time it was just like hey i just needed to not be as loud um yeah, and i for asked for when i had like,
0: notes or whatever the fuck yeah
1: right I, I did ask for a flexible start time so like if if it started at nine i said can i have 905 because oh i knew God. about the time blindness and that's then i like, also
0: that's asking for nothing <laughs> like
1: right and i said like hey If we can't extend the deadlines on notes or whatever because of insurance, can I just have a slightly less caseload, or can I just come in at nine five? Sounds like a reasonable compromise. Quiet place to do things. And I said, like, can we minimize the marginal functions to prioritize what has to get done? So if you want this treatment plan updated on time, I cannot make eight phone calls. Yeah. I can't go to six school meetings so you know or like i can't do crisis de-escalation for two hours because then those are two hours i don't get to do sessions and yes. you can't just like you can if someone if you don't get a session done with somebody on a thursday you have to build them into that friday i can't just see them next week because insurance yes wants however That's many the sessions fucking worse
0: it's like okay like i didn't like we weren't able to meet for our sessions because like you know, we had some crisis, like some huge crisis happen and like, it doesn't matter like at all. And it, it sucks so bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, and
1: you're you're going to get mad about this. So get ready. So okay. I sent my very reasonable list of accommodations and it wasn't received well. So they said like, okay, the time thing makes sense, but could you just like the HR called me to go over it with me? Mm -hmm. um this was like in fuck hr march
0: just to say i have to (laughs) say it every time
1: not me it wasn't me that said this guys uh (laughs) like i was given i was given a phone call by a representative from hr Um, i was asked if these accommodations would be temporary and i was like well i mean my brain permanently functions this way so like is it temporary Probably not because I'm permanently distressed by this. Right. Yes. Uh, so the time thing made sense, but they pushed on it. They were like, um, could you just tell yourself you had to be here at eight fifty so that you come at nine. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Thanks. I'm cured. Like that's not how it works. Like I can push it back as much as I want, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the dead zone. You know, and it's not even every day. It was in five minutes. is nothing
0: no it's not like they're they're like their jobs i've been chronically late to for much late much later than five minutes and never been like never been talked to about being late so the fact that five minutes is like a big deal is like i
1: had like several sit down supervisions over it and it got to the point like, like you would have been last... better
0: off just doing it and not saying anything
1: well, I didn't. It was like before I had asked, it, it came up because they noticed I wasn't there at uh, okay. nine o'clock. But like, That's remember, an I not
0: to notice. But okay.
1: <laughs> but remember, like, I did. I do my own schedule. It wasn't like I was late to my own sessions. It was like yeah. per how I set things up. So I never scheduled anything at eight, right? Yeah, as long or as there's like not or... a kid
0: waiting for you, and you're not even in the building yet, then what's the problem?
1: Right. Like I don't know, and it was like I said, five minutes. If someone goes into crisis at nine o'clock and I get there at nine o five, like they're probably still in crisis. I can I can still, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like they're not gonna wait. They're not gonna like. They're not gonna be like, oh wait, uh, Maria's not here. Um, I'm, you know what I mean though. Like they don't plan that. It doesn't. It's either if it happens, no. it happens. Whether or not I'm physically there, and that extra five minutes of availability, like okay but anyway so like I they I got pushed back but I was I was granted it I guess but then the caseload thing pissed me off because I was like it was really hard for me to say like hey I'm kind of struggling with this and they were like oh um we hear you but I was we were told the caseload is 14 and, like, I asked people before I asked for the accommodations and, like, every other therapist I had spoken to. I even, like, reached out to past therapists that I knew because community mental health is a revolving door. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I've never had more than 10. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, the person that said that, like, made it up to not lower my caseload.
0: That is nuts.
1: I I believe that I believe it was made up and like like I said I liked working here I think structurally it's it was a community thing so like it made sense but like this just bothered me like all I said was hey I need a time buffer um do you care if I set up shop somewhere quiet and can I just have like a even one less kid I think I even said that like hey instead of 10 can I just have nine yeah. And they were like, "No, you can keep 10." Or they said, or they said something what did they say, "Oh, since the actual cap is 14, we will cap you at 10. That way, you feel better."
0: Well, like That doesn't make any I obvi-
1: don't feel better if this is where I'm suffering.
0: Yeah, it's like you keep like lowering my caseload from 14 to 10 does nothing for me when my caseload was already 10 and not 14 like that doesn't actually solve the problem you're just like you literally you just change the rules last minute and and, like oh my god it's literally like,
1: like, like and i'm not saying like we need to get rid of deadlines or everybody should have no clients and nobody should make money i just feel like I don't know, like, sometimes, like, when I was interviewing for jobs for other positions, like, just other places, they were, like, oh, the minute, like, the, um, especially, like, private practice, they were, Mm -hmm. like, oh, you make, like, 40k a year with the minimum, but, like, everybody makes 60k because everybody takes extra clients on I need to, so like, I love overachievers. That sounds great. But I, the minimum that I receive should be enough to pay my bills. And then like, then it's extra. Like, don't tell me you can make 60 K if you have a ridiculous caseload that makes you suicidal but that doesn't that's not you know what I mean so I'm not even saying like we need to not have deadlines or we need to be completely dysregulating but like we should just be aware that not everybody's brain works exactly the same and the standards that work for some people like I mean is it is it a special privilege for me to have less clients if I'm super if the level of distress that I experience with that is like where somebody else is with more like do you know what I mean
0: Yeah, it's like again, it's like the quality versus equity
1: thing. It's like exactly, exactly. Like okay, I need glasses to see. You know, everybody can have a pair of glasses if they want, but like, it's someone. It's gonna give someone a headache. I don't know. I feel like that's not. I feel like you get what I'm trying to say though. Like I do. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that fence picture. Like just take the fence away. Um, but while it's there, I do need the little box to stand on it.
0: Yeah, it's like. Yeah, we all know the same picture. It's the
1: same (laughs) meme. It looks like a family circus like cartoon, but it's not. It's
0: like it does, but it's like you know, it might like on paper it might look like a like you're being given a special privilege if your caseload is eight and mine is ten, but if a eight person caseload feels to you the same way a ten person caseload feels to me then actually it's the same it's that like we just have different like ways of of functioning and you know and that makes like x level of clients like harder for you than it is for me or like whatever that's just like an example that's not (laughs) that's not anything um
1: but no you're but that's but that's exactly it like that's right and i i love the language that you use to kind of to kind of suss that out like of course like i don't know i i hate doing this but like even with people that have like physical things going on like it's not like it's not a privilege for me to have eight clients any more than it is for somebody who cannot use the stairs to take an elevator like yeah that is what they need to get to the floor you know yeah. Um, and like a caseload of eight is what I needed to get all of my work done on time and done, yeah. efficiently, correctly, appropriately. You know. So like I was still I was I wasn't like I was gonna like leave early, like, because there were times I only had eight, and it was I was there till the end of the work day, you know, It wasn't like I was like, well, guess I'm gonna just look at memes. Like I was working. I was full. And yes, I feel like people don't understand Like, not everybody can have 15 cases and it's just, I don't know. And I feel like in an affirming environment, there would be limited opportunities to provide overstimulation or triggers for dysregulation. Cause like, if like neurotypical people find it distressing to share an office with a hundred people and I'm not doing that, but like, I'm thinking about like a call center yeah. or something. Um, no. like, of course, you know what I mean? Like, when why? Yeah you know like when we have autistic clients who are you know that client i was talking about earlier where like that client needed like they needed to be able to it's not a privilege to go take a break in the area that is meant for crisis yeah. it is an area but for crisis so that you can scream for as long as you need to and it it just blows my mind you know people thrive when they're addressed appropriately they can express themselves in a way that they're comfortable rather than like prescribing conformity to a neurotypical set of rules and you know i'm getting a little i got a little worked up with some of the stuff we talked about but like it's we're already really hard on ourselves for not thriving in something that's not meant for us there is so much anxiety and trauma that comes from that and i feel like we don't talk about that like in one of my settings i had a supervisor that was so inconsistent um they were really hard on me
0: Mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was funny
1: it was it was really funny for me like in a sardonic funny way i like it, because of the way that that supervisor structured our supervisions the way that they spoke with me the way that they push and pulled at my boundaries i like had supervision with another supervisor and she was like i said something like what is it for what is it for what did i do and she was like we just go over your cases and i kind of like i don't want to (laughs) like overuse it but like i already have ptsd and i had like new symptoms around supervision from my previous like a previous setting and i was like wow like i don't know it just it just blows my mind how you know we're, we're telling people as providers we're neurodiverse affirming we're this we do that the ADA exists for you. Let's advocate for our clients, and then meanwhile, like internally, it's it does it just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, and like, well, I'm like, thought, like this whole time, uh, I've been thinking about like why I think this happens, and you know, so much of it for me is, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I've been writing about it, is just like how like. The way at least like where I've worked so far has like been structured so rigidly and partially that is from like these insurance expectations uh, to have X number of clients in, and to like have case notes in by a certain amount of time, no matter what else is happening and having treatment plans done every like 30 days and having like intake and discharge paperwork done within a few like a certain amount of days and all that stuff and and like that rigidity like that's placed on um these places like by insurance companies or even self-enforced like doesn't allow room for a lot of flexibility and I like I'm thinking about like the like asking for less clients um thing and like I just think about like past workplaces and how you know everything everywhere I've I've worked has been like I've been on small teams so Mm -hmm. like what happens is when I can't take another client than like my coworker, like the like the only other therapist is going to have to take that that client or if like when i took f when i told my boss i was taking four weeks of fmla and i said this on the, here before she said like i guess i don't deserve a vacation where like i i had no i have no desire to this day to get in, a, in the way of this woman having a vacation But when the workload demands are so high and the team to meet those demands is small and can't even meet those demands, like when that team is full, then like anyone doing anything to get what they need to like stay alive, like to be clear, like I was taking FMLA to not kill myself. And, you know, instead of, going to work the day I was scheduled to go back after FMLA I quit and I went to the hosp- in, inpatient for two weeks starting on the day I was supposed to go back to work so like I was doing that to not kill myself and and then it was framed as like oh like you don't want me to have a vacation and it's like no I want both of these things to like be able to exist at the same time
1: Wait. and like, what, what was that it, your problem what and how was that, how was someone else's vacation your problem?
0: Like- yeah, it's like, you're, well, actually, like, you're, like, the, like, the director of this program. So, like, if anyone can find temps or mess around with the schedule or something, that seems like it's your job and not mine. Especially when I am, like, you're sending me home every other week crying and, like, you also know I'm self-harming before I come to work, like, every single day. And yet you resent me from doing any basic thing to take care of myself? It's it's it's, it's just cause it's like, you know, I like cause I also do like get it. Like, yeah, like, you know, like because I, I just said that the cows thing of it is like your job and it like it is it's just like, you know, I understand how these conditions happen. And it just feels like it doesn't have to be like this. And it just is because the insurance companies like say it, they have to and like that. And, and it's like, you don't actually know what the work like really looks like what like my day looks like, like, especially like in residential, like, where like, you know, it's not like, like outpatient therapy where like a client walks in. Talks to me for an hour and then walks out. It's like I I am working in their home, and for the time being, so there like things are just gonna happen, no matter like if I'm writing a case note or not or whatever. Like things just happen and they just need to be right. responded to and managed. And and it's just, it's just that like the work is like just impossible and but they just like refuse to make it possible. It it just feels and I, right. awful.
1: And I, I don't, I, I would even take that a step further than just like the demands of the insurance company. Because it, it, I also think a lot of it is, you know, when you do well in this field, you know, you get at least in community mental health. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a little different at an outpatient level. But when you do well at least like i know like i was never like a tech in like the hospital Mm. um i like came in as a therapist but i know like for them like they get mandated and stuff and their reward for coming in when they're mandated is to get more mandations because they know that they will come in like your reward for coming in is that you have to work three days in a row and you know that that's kind of ableist too to some degree i think
0: because yeah Um, a lot of people can't do that and it's
1: also like not humanist honestly like it's I don't no think it's, humane. it's
0: it's it's um, a it's a completely unreasonable expectation and great. people all people like, only ever do that because they like need the extra like overtime or whatever and like that that is like economic violence <laughs> like if i ever heard right. just like that that's like, and like you're coercing people to like push themselves just so they can like feed their kids
1: great and like, when we look at these settings too, like it, it's, and it's night and day, like I have my license now and it really is night and day between how, how you're treated. Honestly, like I got a phone call or I got an email from somebody that was like, Hey, we interview. I interviewed you like a, a couple of years ago. Um, are you interested in coming to work for me? Meanwhile, like I, this same, these same people ghosted me when I applied as just a master's level. Um, And I, but when I think like in these community kind of fields, they, people burn out really quickly because the caseloads are higher than what they should be able to accommodate. The workload is absurd and the numbers are low because the turnover is so high. And if you're good at your job, but this is a little tangential, but I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand, um, with just like kind of the, the conditions you're put in, um, you know, you you um the the work's really high the pay is not great because like i said they know you want to get your license they know you need the experience um and the turnover rate's really high so maybe that's why they don't care they don't realize like i the director um actually i can i can tell this story because he quit on the fucking spot um so i don't even fucking care but we had like yeah. these meetings and he literally said to us i feel like with the millennial era which is by the way 26 through 40 now yeah i think um so those darn millennials he, he said something like well they, people don't want to work jobs they want to work like five years and then they move i would love to work at the same place for a decade Plus.
0: I would would love for like a place to feel sustainable for five years even. I haven't. But like you're not gonna pay
1: me. Right. And you're not gonna pay me and you're only gonna reward mediocrity. Like, I don't know how people stay at jobs like that for so long. Like where they don't know what they're doing. I have seen their biopsychosocials and they're terrible and for some reason i get dinged on not using full sentences on the bottom of a safety plan even though every other one has this person does not complete their work this is not just one person these people don't do their work notes are open for a week at a time but they know that they'll stay so they don't care and i feel like i don't know i feel like there's a piece i'm missing with this type of with this field like if you're ambitious or you're hard on yourself or you're trying really hard they're like hey we're going to criticize you um and we're not going to train the other people that come on after you so because you're going to leave probably so we we just don't i don't know what it is i don't even know if any of this is relevant or if it'll make it onto
0: the same yeah well
1: but like it's weird right
0: Yeah, well like my my thing is like and I I saw this on the episode that came out today as we're recording this is like that a lot of these places even want you to be so temporary because like what better unionizing or anti like union busting technique than like just making everyone quit before like they even get to know each other and have any investment in themselves or the work environment or like the specific clients because they all quit in six fucking months
1: and that's so funny to me because people complain like well, people only come here to get licensed and then they leave or they make people sign contracts that once you get, we'll give you licensure supervision, but you need to give us two years. Meanwhile, the environment is not hospitable.
0: Yeah, you have to like, like, you you just have to like make me want to stay, not just expect me to stay because you're providing me a job. You need to make it like worth doing. And part of that is like, providing the basic accommodations that will make me not have to self-harm every day before work.
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, dipping back into the reason we're talking, um, you know, with the ableism, like within the profession, like I know when I worked inpatient, I did really well with ADHD clients. I did really, really well with queer clients. And, you know, that burns you out more when you're working with people that intersect with you you know, it's hard to beat, like, I had interns um, that worked under me, um, and I had a couple different ones, and, you know, somebody had some inpatient experience, and they did so fucking well, but you could tell, like, okay, I'm a little affected by this, because I've had similar experiences, and you know what, that intern wasn't, you know, was actually, I'm not, I don't know if if anyone would listen to this, but, like, interns, that specific, I had, like, three or four other ones, so it's not, like, the other ones Mm. are gonna feel called out but that one was like my best one um not because of the previous like experience but it was like i saw that they were struggling and they did they worked really hard and like yeah they left crying a couple times we we cried in in supervision you know they cried in supervision sometimes but like it was like i don't know it it, kind of like like 10 for me and eight for you or whatever you know This is what they could handle. They handled it really fucking well. And I wasn't going to hold it against them that they cried a lot. Meanwhile, I had another one that was like pretty neurotypical, like uh, identified themselves as neurotypical to me and already knew exactly what they were doing, did not accept criticism, uh, did more amount of work, but they did not want to learn. So you know what? I will take the one who did not get as much done, but did really well. Over the other one anyway. You know?
0: Absolutely.
1: I know that sounds awful, but like it is harder. You know, it it is harder. And it's not, you know, we say, like, oh, math is this person is good at math, but not at reading or whatever. I feel like it's the same thing. Like for me, I can't have a caseload of everybody with ADHD because I work with kids. So not only do I have eight kids with ADHD, I have at least 10 parents who feel poorly about it or have vibes about it or sometimes they're really great but either way um that burns me out faster than a bunch of defiant kids whose parents don't sometimes answer the phone because i personally believe that oppositional defiant disorder comes from kids with inconsistent parents and not necessarily chronic not following directions and i think that sometimes people will i feel like it's that a lot of the time and then it's also like uh someone with adhd but isn't white i see them get odd all the time
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so just cool just cool things so i mean so the ableism and kind of the racism within the profession comes out that way as well like you know don't don't say to me hey you're good with this kid this one has adhd this one's trans I need you to work with them because you're good at it because it's your thing. And it's, it's invested in parts of your identity. And I'm like, that's great, but that's exhausting. And I don't want to have to tell every parent, can you please just try to gender your kid this way? If they don't like it, you know what the way for them to like, see whether or not this is good for them is if their parents do it, because you know what, if my mom calls me by a name and it's not the name I like, and it's not, it's not cool when your mom does it, you know, like, you know what i mean like i had a client who like wore his socks up really high and i thought it was goofy so i did it too and guess what we didn't wear our socks up high anymore because i'm the loser therapist did it you know so like bare (laughs) minimum you know what i mean so like and i can have this conversation with you because i'm like hey this is hard um i want you know but when i'm having it multiple times a week with parents that are less or more understanding it's really hard and it burns me yeah. out faster than somebody who doesn't have a personal connection to it you know yeah. i'm exhausted
0: I, def- I know very well cuz you know there there was a time where i was exclusively working with other trans people and um you know it wasn't like anything like specifically like working with them that made it harder it was that like when we lost them it felt like there was like another layer to it Um, well yeah
1: and like and i think i'm gonna use the word privilege and people dog whistle it but i'm who who cares there it there is a i believe that there is a privilege it is a privilege to work with clients that are not like you
0: yeah because that's where growth growth comes from that's that's what makes you well-rounded that makes you like win right like a trans person shows up to your hospital for the first time, you don't have to like ask for them to not be under your caseload because you're a little bitch. Like you just are, you just feel ready for that. Like
1: right, but it also like I mean I've seen other therapists that were like I've never been in therapy, I'm not actually mentally ill in any way, and I'm like I'm gonna just to like me. throw this out like I'm a neurotypical white person who is cisgender and uh straight. That's the word that other people are, and. I'm like, yeah, awesome. And you know, I I appreciate when a supervisor is like, hey, you would work really well with this client who has ADHD or is trans or is um something, something, whatever, something isn't white. You know what I mean? Like just something yeah. that like lines up a little bit and and I get it. And like I want to make sure the clients get high quality care from people who get it, but also like why can't that other person also work with that client I have to work with people that don't look like me all the time you know I didn't get good at working with certain populations by not working with them
0: yeah it's like like, it's like coddling of people's privileges like oh like it it makes you uncomfortable to work with like a client of a different race or a client of like who's trans or client who has like xyz disability
1: like I don't know do you know what i mean like how do we empower privileged therapists that work with minoritized clients without those clients having substandard care and i'm talking about it specifically with community health because typically that's where you start out um you don't have a lot of trainings because you don't have the money for ces um you know but that that's where you learn those things and you should get clients that are very different from you you know it was super it was a lot when i first had like a client with psychosis because i have never experienced that or seen it outside of that space but you need it right
0: yeah you definitely need to know that's yeah and the, that brings to the like the i guess like probably like the last thing i want to say since we we're definitely hitting my bedtime. Um,
1: yeah, no, this was like, I feel like it was pretty organic though. I feel like this is yes, a good yes, start
0: to I, a close. Yeah, I didn't even really look at the, the sheet at all. Uh, but um, it was like this other thing that I've noticed is like in like um, mental health settings, particularly even um, where someone shows up with a particular... Like, stigmatized diagnosis. Um, it's often like schizophrenia. Um, and, like, and all of a sudden, as soon as that person comes in, like, some of the staff like revolt, like, this person shouldn't be here. Like, they're disruptive, whatever. And it's like, yo, or this like is a
1: borderline a- client. Yeah.
0: Yes. BPD is the other one. Um, and, they're like, we can't have this person here, blah blah. blah. And it's like, no, dude, this is actually like where they're supposed to go. Like,
1: right. Like, could you see this client at Coles right now? Like, yeah, it's we, like, we, we need to be doing well. It's
0: like we're actually the highest level of care, so like it is appropriate of any any of any diagnosis like that is severe to be here, and you know but, like, we're where, supposed to be where would a col- they go? equipped to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I I think it it comes down to like the root of that. I mean, part of that is just like the stigma of those diagnoses like within greater society, but then also it it plays into the same thing where we are just given unrealistic expectations of the, the work and then are also like understaffed and undersupported and Like, we can't even get the most basic accommodations. And so when a client with, like, a high level of need or, like, attention or support or whatever it is comes in, then it's like, well, fuck, that ruins my, like, my entire workflow. And that's, like, a horrible way to think about a person.
1: Right. But Uh, it's also, like, you're saying that.
0: You're, like, like, it's, like, set up for you to feel that way
1: right and it sucks because like you should be really you know we really should be annoyed with kind of how the thing is being managed um yes. but it is, it's is—it's so easy like you know like yeah all, it's because like, it's so unfair
0: it. to it's so unfair yeah. to blame the client for that it's like right. no no it's not the client's fault that they have these needs it's the like organization's fault or the funder's fault for like not staffing enough to like meet these needs needs, yeah Yeah. or like whatever like the solution is but like you're not given like the actual solution so it just leads to resentment towards the client which is like ableist like unfair and like cruel and like could even like end in abuse towards that client
1: and i feel like sometimes we will accept there have been times in some of my other settings where we'll get a client And I'm like, we should not have taken this client. And it's not because we couldn't do a good job. It's like, I know where we're at. I know how many people are staffed right now and we can't meet those needs. And frankly, I don't think it's ethical to take a client whose needs we can't accommodate.
0: Yes, absolutely. You
1: know, and I get it and it's hard, but like, there's also like, you know, I'm an art therapist and when you work in acute settings, you get all the most acute kids that talk therapy just didn't work on. You Mm -hmm. know, they're like, hey, here's another one for your caseload. And, you know, I have the same eight acute clients for months because it takes them longer to leave, you know? Or I'll get a couple like, all right, this one's like a sad, depressed teenager. They need a little bit of Prozac and they'll leave in a week, you know? But you do, you like, you know, you get a new kid and you're like reading the chart and you're like, I, this is so much on top of everything else. And, you know, those are our complex cases. So, you know, we're talking about eight or 10 or whatever. But, you know, when I asked for those accommodations, I had three very complex cases that took more. Because, th- you know, you know, like, all right, this client usually gets about the minimum amount of my time each week because they don't need that much. And it's not that they yeah. don't deserve attention, but they don't need.
0: Just, yeah. just You know, they get about three right.
1: hours to me every week. This other one gets like six, you yeah. know. So it's not like so. If I had a caseload, if I had eight, not a, not a, you know what I mean, eight moderate clients, it would be different. But you know when this one has the mom who tries to call all the time, or this one's dad is drunk and does. We don't have a release form, but I have to answer the phone when he calls. You know, it's like, how, how do we get that work done when it's not adjusted based on our ability or the acuity? I we yeah, probably have ten uh clients that don't struggle as much you know but when you give me the really difficult ones because i'm good at it or whatever or i'm the art person because that's the other thing
0: or like this person makes jim uncomfortable so they have to work with you instead like yeah
1: right right exactly i don't know who jim is but fuck him
0: yeah i agree but i don't know he is either but fuck him Um, i
1: don't know who he is i don't know why he got a job in mental health and when he didn't know what, <laughs> he didn't want to work with mentally ill people like with in every sense of the word but fuck you jim fuck you jim
0: absolutely cares, well that seems like a great note that like when you're screaming about an imaginary man um uh, maybe this is where we wrap up unless you have anything else you really want to say no,
1: i think that's a great wrap i would order it at panera bread
0: hell yeah um all right so i usually end with gratitude so i i say two things so you don't have to say one um because my first one is always like i'm really grateful for you coming on um definitely like brought up a lot of like thoughts for me and you know definitely very like well prepared and i really appreciate the energy you brought and my general gratitude is um i guess i'll just say this like this is my third day recording in a row and i have one more schedule tomorrow and i am like grateful to just have this project to like work on um and that like you know to just have something where the deadlines are made up and like you know it it like i'm not ruining anyone's life By like not doing anything and but it still provides like structure and interesting conversations and like some things to do Uh, so i'm just like grateful for this project as a whole during this time where i'm really. You know, working on it, not because of deadlines or anything like that, because there really aren't any just because I like to do it and i'm really grateful to have the space to be able to do that. Um, and then I just invite you to express something you're grateful for,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, well, I'm super grateful that I, you know, you invited me to be on your podcast. I, like I said, I like love Clown Hospital. I wish it was real yeah. so that I could be a patient there, <laughs> but also maybe a provider, you know, one of the other. But it's it's such a cool vibe you have. Everybody that has Hell come yeah. on that I have heard is so cool, and I am I'm, I'm, I'm so like psyched. I know the worst pun, but like I was psyched oh to be on here. I love that you like gave me like a platform and that we had a conversation and it was so meaningful and I was so afraid to do a podcast and it, this was like didn't cry at all. So
0: hell yeah. Thank
1: you so much for hell creating yeah. and holding space. Yeah. And I might cry afterwards because it felt good.
0: Hell yeah. That's what I want everyone to know is that everyone who has come on has just such a good review of the experience of being on. Um, and I really appreciate that because, yeah, like you were to, like before this, like said multiple times, we we're like talking about how you're probably going to cry and then you did not. And it's like, oh, wow. Like I created a space for like you can talk about like these pretty like personal like sensitive issues and not like make yourself upset. That's great.
1: And you know what? I got like I had a lot of energy during some of it obviously. Mm-hmm. But like it didn't feel like I was doing labor, even though like that was like oh absolutely. It's
0: yeah, definitely work.
1: That was like an ass load of emotional labor because and female, yes. you know, I I feel like maybe like you'll you'll comb through it and you'll like make sure I didn't get too like, I don't want to lose my job, but, like... Oh,
0: yeah. And I could even I mean? send it to you before I, like, release this. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. um, I'll make my partner listen to it so I don't have to, because that'd be really scary. But, like,
0: Fair I enough.
1: feel like you set up such a good space that it didn't... I felt like I was just talking to somebody. Like, I didn't have to, like, explain anything. I didn't have to, like, oh, justify you don't- <laughs> my existence. It was just, like, hey, I'm, like, disabled-ish. I don't, I don't like saying it that way, because I'm, you know, you know what I mean, though? Like, Yeah, I'm like a neurodiverse provider providing in a neurotypical framework, really. And you were like, Yeah, that sucks. Tell me, tell me how much it sucks.
0: Yeah, also, like, it wasn't
1: a lot, it wasn't exhausting. We were just two mentally ill people,
0: yeah. yeah. It's like, Yeah, like, that's easy for me. It's just easy because, like, it's like, yeah, I like. (laughs) I very personally know what you're talking about, like, just from my own experiences.
1: Right, like, it's hard on the inside, too. Like, I love when people complain about their therapy. Not like that. I want everyone to have a good therapist. But (laughs) I'm like, yes, the ableism is also inside the house. I get it.
0: Yes. (laughs) It is. and Yeah. Cool.
1: Seriously, though, thank you so fucking much. This was awesome.
0: Hell yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. I had a good time as well. And speaking of time, it's my bedtime. So if you want to send an unhinged email, you can send an unhinged email to clownhospital at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, it's clownhospitalpod. If you want to follow on Twitter, it's clownhospitalbb, like baby. And that's all the socials and with that i say thanks for coming on and i also say that this uh, is dedicated to everyone who's fought before us and we heal in their honor and that's it peace thank you